Amen. Well, please remain standing and take out uh, the sermon notes page where you will find Lord's Day 22 written out for you. You should see two questions on there, question 57 and 58. I'll read the questions and then we will all read the answers together. So Christian, how does the resurrection of the body comfort you? Not only will my soul be taken immediately after this life to Christ its head, but also my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. How does the article concerning life everlasting comfort you? Even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, so after this life I will have perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has ever imagined, blessedness in which to praise God eternally. Amen. You may be seated. And then our sermon passage for this evening, just three short verses. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Again, that's 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Pay careful attention, for this is the word of God. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Well, thus ends the reading of God's word. Let us now pray and ask for his help. O Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Well, the last few weeks, my wife and I have been very busy uh, between finals and graduation and moving. We found ourselves more exhaust, uh, with more exhaustion and with less free time. And during this chaotic time, uh, we've picked up a habit, and I'm not convinced it's a good habit. And that habit is this, that when we need a, a short a mental or, or physical break, uh, we will watch a, a TV show together for just a few minutes, and then when uh, the, the pressure of all of the work gets to us, we'll inevitably pause it and, and get back to work. And, and we probably repeat this cycle of, of pausing and unpausing and, and pausing again several times a day. And what I've noticed is that each time we we go back to the show after it's been paused, I've completely forgotten what's happened. The jokes just, they aren't as funny 
because I, I've forgotten the buildup. The story just isn't as moving because I have to reacclimate to the characters. And the resolution just isn't as satisfying because I've forgotten all the struggles along the way. And while it is of little importance to remember where we're at in a TV show, I'm concerned that our lives can get so busy, especially this time of year with graduations, wedding, weddings, summer vacations, and don't even think about missing the church picnics. We can get so busy that we forget where we are at in God's story. And the story that God has written, well, it's far bigger than you, but you are a part of it. You are a character in this great play. But to understand the scene of your life, you must understand the rest of the story, what comes before you and and what comes after you. And it is only when you understand this greater story and how you fit within it that you will know how to live your life now. And in just three short verses, the Apostle John reminds us of our backstory, of where we have been. And he tells us how the story will end in the future. And then he brings us right back and reminds us where we are at now. And so in our remaining time this evening, let us take a break from the the busyness of our lives and let us turn our undivided attention to God's story. So look with me at our backstory in verse 1. John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Well, verse 1, it tells us our backstory for our character in this great play. And you might have noticed the very first word there is actually a command. He is commanding us to see. We must study. We must behold. He wants us to know who we are, where we have been, and what is true of us. So he commands you today, see. But what particularly does he want us to see? What does he want you to know about your backstory? Well, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Now, this is an amazing statement. John is saying that you cannot really know who you are if you do not know the kind of love that the Father has given to you. This is more essential to who you are than your job or education. It is more defining to you than your past achievements or mistakes. 
the particular love that the Father gives you makes you who you are. But notice this love, it's not just only given to you. John says that it is given to us. It's plural. It's, it's corporate. And this makes great sense. After all, just, just look around the pews. Many of us here today have very little in common. We have different ethnicities, different hobbies, different social classes, and different vocations. And yet, we are all here because we have the same shared experience. The Father has loved us. And how has he loved us? John says that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Now I want you to notice the assumption behind John's statement here. We really shouldn't be called children of God. In fact, in verse 8, John says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So according to verse 8, if we were to be anyone's children, we should be called children of the devil. For we were born not in righteousness, but in sin. And while our parents needed to teach us manners, no one needed to teach us sin. It's our default practice. It is what we are best at. We sin because we are sinners. And in chapter 1, John said, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Christian, this is so important that you get this. Because if you think this is your birthright, when he calls you child of God, you won't bat an eye. Well, of course, what else will he call me? But if you know that you are by nature a child of the devil, a sinner worthy of God's wrath. And then you hear him call you child of God. Well, then you will say with John, see what kind of love the Father has given us. For there are many things God could have called you. He could have called you condemned. But instead, he called you child. Brothers and sisters, just as he said, let there be light, and there was light. So also when he says, children of God, so now we are. 
In fact, it would be easier for you to put out the light of the sun than it would be for you to undo this adoption. For even the scriptures speak of the sun being darkened, but your adoption has been paid for by Christ, Christ's blood. Do you really think that your sin is worth more than his blood? Do you really think that Satan is more powerful than Christ's blood? There is no undoing this adoption. As surely as Christ's blood was poured out for you on the cross, so sure has the Father adopted you. And another important detail concerning our backstory is that in our adoption, we have taken on a new name. A name that the world does not know. It doesn't understand. The world hated the name of Christ and the righteousness that characterized it. And so the world will hate us. They won't understand you, just as they didn't understand Christ, our elder brother. But though we may never be known by the world, we are known by God. He calls us his children because of Christ, and that is enough for us. Well, Now that you know your backstory, that you have been adopted by the Father because of Christ, now John tells us how our story ends in verse 2. So look with me at verse 2. John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. John tells us that our adoption into God's family is not the end of the story. God has already changed us from being children of the devil to children of God. But there is still a a further change that has not yet appeared. And notice when this change to us appears. Our change appears when Christ appears. Christ's first coming was was the basis of our adoption. His blood and his righteousness paid the adoption fee. And his second coming is what will bring about the final change to us. Christian, your entire story, beginning to end, is all wrapped up in Christ. You cannot understand who you are without understanding who He is. But what kind of change will occur on this great day? Well, John tells us that we will become like him because we shall see him 
as he is. Now that tiny word at the end of verse 2 is absolutely crucial to understanding the end of our story and this final change. The little tiny word is. On that great day, we will see Christ as he is. Not as he was, the slain lamb, the suffering servant, the crucified Messiah. No, we will see him as he is now. The resurrected and ascended Lord with all power in heaven and on earth. The Lord of hosts, the commander of the Lord's army, the one who was so powerful and majestic that when the author of this very letter saw him, he fell at his feet as though a dead man. And John tells us that on that day, when we see him as he is, We will not fall at his feet as though dead. We will not call upon the rocks to fall on us lest we face his wrath. No, when we, God's adopted children, see him, we will be made like him. We too will receive resurrected bodies. We too will finally be perfected, having no sin within us, nor desiring sin. We will be glorified just as He is glorified. In our catechism, it it wonderfully ponders This glorious state, when it asks in in question 57, how does the resurrection of the body comfort you? In the catechism's answer, it sounds like it could have been written by the Apostle John himself because it keeps in mind both our backstory and our future. It affirms our backstory as being adopted children of God. When it says that when we die, our soul will be taken immediately to Christ, its head. This means that our souls will not suffer in purgatory to try to purify us for heaven. No, we have already been adopted by Christ's blood God has already declared us children, and so we are now. There's no future penalty if you are trusting in Christ for the salvation of your sins. Upon a Christian's death, they will go immediately to Christ, their head. But like John... The catechism is not only interested in the backstory, but it's also interested in our future, in our end. In the catechism, it says, 
It's not only that our souls will go immediately to Christ, that's true, but there's more. It says, but also my very flesh, raised by the power of Christ, will be reunited with my soul and made like Christ's glorious body. Just as the angel said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. So will it be said about your body. On that day when Christ returns, your grave will be empty. Your body will arise again. Now, I'll be honest, I don't really know how this all is going to work, especially for those older deceased saints who have already decomposed. But I once heard a man say that that when he dies, he wants to be cremated and to spread his ashes all over the world so that when Christ returns, He will be raised from the four corners of the earth by Christ's mighty power. Now, I'm not sure that's the best application of this truth, to be honest. But I think that man got one thing right. It will happen by Christ's power. And so, we've we've seen our backstory, our adoption. And we've seen our future, our bodily resurrection. Now, in verse 3, John brings us back down to life in the here and now, telling us how we ought to live in light of this story. So look with me at our final verse in verse 3. John says, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So in this short verse, John tells us two ways we ought to live as adopted children of God awaiting the resurrection of our body. First, we ought to hope in Christ. For it is in him that we have everlasting life. And answer 58 of the Catechism expresses this hope of everlasting life beautifully. It says, Even as I already now experience in my heart the beginning of eternal joy, so after this life I will have perfect blessedness, such as no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has ever imagined, a blessedness in which to praise God eternally. Christian, this blessedness, this eternal joy is yours in Christ. He has made you children. And if children, then heirs to his joy. You begin to experience this joy even now as you hear his word and you believe. 
But the joy that you have in this life, it's like the, the size of a small communion wafer in comparison to the banquet of joy that you will experience on that day when you see Christ face to face. The one whom you were made for, the one you were made to love, you will see him and you will love him and you will be fulfilled forever. O Christian, place your hope in Christ for only he can give you that fulfillment. In the second way, we should live as adopted children awaiting the resurrection. It's that John says we ought to purify ourselves as Christ is pure. When Christ returns, we will be completely purified. Just think about this. You will never be jealous again. For you will be perfectly happy in Christ. And perfectly happy for your neighbor. You will love flawlessly. Live faultlessly. Desire rightly. This is where you are headed. This is your destiny. And so, by God's grace, start heading toward that direction. Now, avail yourselves of the means of grace. Hear the preached word every Sunday. Partake in the sacraments. Pray to the Lord for his grace and his Holy Spirit. Seek to put off the sins of the flesh and to put on the fruit of the Spirit. Now you will do this all imperfectly in this life, but do not lose hope. Your perfection is guaranteed by the unshakable will of the Father and by the resurrection power of the Son. So Christian. Little by little, by God's grace and spirit, seek to live in purity now as you await that day of final perfection when Christ comes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have a part to play in this grand story. And oh, what a part. You have adopted us by Christ's blood, and you will resurrect our bodies at Christ's return. Help us now to hope in Christ and the eternal life that we already have begun to share in him. And by your spirit, help us to begin to purify our lives as we await the perfect purification that we will experience at Christ's return. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.